Engage podcast brought to you by NEIC Instructional Technology Department. The show where you can hear the innovative and engaging things your colleagues are doing in their classroom. And now, here are your hosts, Lauren and Gabriel. Welcome to episode three of the Innovate Engage podcast. I am Gabriel Carrillo. And I am Lauren Snyder. And we are your happy hosts. How are you doing, Lauren? I am doing pretty good. How are you, Gabriel? I'm great. Thank you for asking. How was your well-deserved break? (laughs) Well, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, so it was not much of a break. Very busy, but it was good. How about yours? It was good. It felt like it was long, and it was, to say the least, I'm ready. I'm back. Yes. And I was ready to be back day one. Happy to be back. Happy to be back. That's right. And you guys have not heard from us since... Last a decade. I had to drop that. So. Oh, my goodness. Oh. That was so <laughs> 2019. so much worse when you say it that way. <laughs> yeah. So we are here in 2020, and we are ready to hit the ground running. I know you guys are. You guys are back from your break. It was, like I said, a well-deserved, much-deserved, mm-hmm. much-needed break. We're in semester two. It's officially underway, and we have a special episode for you guys today. Yeah. So I actually had the pleasure of interviewing Gabriel, which never happens um, because, you know, we're co-hosts. But today he was the ITS in the teacher ITS duo on the podcast. And so he got to be a guest and it was just such an interesting conversation and very inspirational. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. And even though the teacher that we spoke with is a high school teacher, what we talk about really applies to all grade levels. Yeah. And if you're curious as to what the topic is, it's all about digital portfolios. So Colleen and I have been working uh, for the past four years with digital portfolios. Don't worry about the specifics. That's what the interview is for. That's what you guys are going to check out. But yeah, it's all about being able to digitize, actually having the students digitize what they're doing and having them take that with them after they graduate. It's so cool, y'all. Yeah. You're going to love it. Absolutely. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Colleen Quirk and Gabriel Carrillo. So today we're here with Gabriel and Colleen, and we have some really special things to bring to you. Um, But first, let's hear a little bit from Colleen about um, your background, what you teach. Okay. Well, I'm here at uh, Lee High School. I teach senior English uh, and not AP, regular English. Um, just getting those kids out and ready for the world. Awesome. And you guys know Gabriel. He's the co-host of this podcast, but he also happens to be the campus ITS for Lee. And so the tables have turned. How convenient. (laughs) And I'm the one asking the questions. That is right. (laughs) So Gabriel's actually part of the interview on the interviewee side. How does that make you feel? There's not many times where I've been on the other side of a podcast. There's been a couple times. However, this one, this one is going to live in my heart because Colleen and I, this goes back to 2016, yeah. my first year here. So I'm very excited about this. And for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Gabriel Carrillo, Instructional Technology Specialist here in Northeast, and I serve Lee, ISA, and Nimitz, and all the all the magnets within those campuses. Nice. I feel like it's kind of like Inception. You're a guest on your own podcast. Yes. Yes. Very fun. (laughs) So what are we talking about today? We're talking about digital portfolios. And Colleen and I go back, like I said, four years with digital portfolios and specifically digital portfolios with high school students. 
Yeah, I, I actually started working with portfolios before I came to Lee. I was in another district actually teaching fourth grade. Oh, um, that's a job. So, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I, uh, that's where I started portfolios and, and keeping it electronically for the students to pass on. And it's just when I got to high school, I was like, that's a no brainer. We've got to be doing this. Yeah. Okay. So people are probably familiar with the idea of a portfolio, but can you guys explain a little bit more about what a digital portfolio is and how it's different from a typical portfolio? Okay. Well, a digital portfolio is electronic, right? There's not hard copies of things. If, if a person has something that they want a hard copy of, you got to take a picture of it or you got to get a PDF or you got to do something. So in that sense, um, it's very different. But on the other hand, it's a sample of somebody's work. A lot of times we think of portfolio and my kids have to get over this idea that it's something artistic, right? That it has to do with something you've drawn or a photograph, that it really is just a sample of work. We start with a resume actually, and then build into the portfolio and they see the connection between how they're demonstrating their skills for future reference. And for us as seniors, that's really what it's for. Mm -hmm. So how do, I guess, how does a student determine what work goes in the portfolio and what doesn't make the cut? Excellent question. It's hard for them. It's hard for them to look back at their entire school career. I don't limit it. I'm not asking them to do something just for English class. I ask them to look all the way back every subject that they've been in, science, math. And we have long conversations about who they are as workers, as creators, um, and what they're most proud of. So they really do. It's a lot of self-reflection um, that's involved, and they really are choosing their own work. That's really neat. Do teachers assist in the selection of the work, or is this entirely a student endeavor? Well, Yes, I get involved. Um, it, more like you're doing right now with the questions. <laughs> it's just about questioning them and asking them, why are you wanting that piece? What do you do? How can you make it better for publication? Mm -hmm. It's actually a beautiful thing to look at a piece of work from freshman year that they were so, so proud of and they love it. And then they go, oh, wow, that's kind of freshman. And then I say, well, okay, this portfolio is for current work. Can you edit it? Can you revise it? And they have a whole new concept of the purpose of editing and revising and revisiting work and making it better. Um, and that's another exciting thing about the portfolio um, that I kind of facilitate more than select for them or mm -hmm. tell them what they need to do. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So what will they use the portfolio for in the future? other than just a class assignment? Well, I college and career readiness are a big part of what I do in my classroom. So we really look at how this can be useful in helping them get a job. I've got students who want to work on the other side of the world. Well, now they can send work samples to potential employers. They've got work samples to send to people for uh scholarship applications, for college applications. I also bring in um, portfolio samples from other people, other professionals, 
Um, many colleges now are requiring their graduates to have a work portfolio as they go into their profession. So I kind of start from there. And it really is not a school-related project for them. I try to make the connection that it's a post-school professional thing, just like their resumes. That's really neat. I remember when I was in college, you know, back in like the Jurassic age, Mm -hmm. um, we had to do a digital portfolio for our work. This was back in 2008. um, And it was the clunkiest, most difficult thing all of us had the hardest time doing it. And I'm, I'm smart and I'm pretty tech savvy. And I mean, obviously I'm in ITS and that was really difficult for me. So I know things have changed a lot in the past 12 years from what we had then to what's available to students now. What platform do you guys use for the portfolios and is it kid friendly? We use Google Sites because we're a Google district. It's available and it's free 99. And the students all have access to it. I love that. So that's what we've been using the past four years. And it's funny because from when we went from 2016 to 17, that's when they made that big jump from the old classic sites to the new Google sites. So we kind of had to revisit some Mm -hmm. stuff. But Colleen and I have always done a very good job of working together and building a template, if you want to call it that. So Mm -hmm. we've built this template. It's kind of morphed over the, the years. We've taken stuff out. We've added stuff to it. But it's always lived in a Google site. And it is by far the easiest drag and drop, add your stuff directly from your drive platform that at least I've played around with, Mm -hmm. specific to portfolios. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Google is really student friendly. I really like that about them. So is, do you have guidelines for how many pieces of work should be on a page where they should put text and how much, um, Yes, I, I, uh, we've kind of developed some things based on work that we do in the classroom. I want to make sure that every student can be successful. So, uh, I, we've tried to build it around what I know that they have Mm -hmm. so that if they don't have anything from other classes, that's okay. I know something from my class can go in there and that we can make it better. So I do, uh, look at professionally what sort of work we talk about what might be useful for them in the careers they're interested in mm-hmm. um, and sort of build it from that. So it's it's a loose expectation, but they do because I do take a grade on it and it's part of their final exam and part of their final evaluation. There are certain guidelines that we have to establish so that we can consistently grade Mm-hmm. And I have those here. Um, so there's a, there's a section where it's nothing but about the author. So let us know who you are as a student slash person. It's it's the whole student. So we have the about the author section. It's very specific as to what each section requires. So the about the author is some key components about yourself. We also have professional writing. So there's professional writing artifacts that we're looking for. And Colleen, you talked about the resume. So that's a piece that you do in the fall, right? Yeah, we do the resume in the fall uh, and then have them put it on this website. And it's so funny when they come back to visit it in the spring and look at the work they did in the fall and go, dang, (laughs) I need to miss. I need to look at this again. I need to, can you help me? 
redo this. So we've got lots of tutoring sessions that are just about, you know, getting your professional stuff together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've come across scenarios too, where they're like, I, I can't even find my resume. And, you know, they look for it in Google drive and sure enough, there it is. Yeah. They, they've completely forgot about it. Yeah. And then there's the letter of introduction that kind of goes along with the professional. And then as far as the academic, we, uh, we went from like four to six sections to two. We yeah. broke it down to two and it's informational and argumentative. So those are the pieces that, that Colleen is looking for, at least in her class. Um, for those artifacts. And then like she, like you mentioned earlier that they put components from any class and we have a creative section in there. And that creative section is, you know, here at Lee, we have NISA, we have, um, STEM. So there's always components in there that they can put. I mean, there's students in JROTC, there are students that are in band and sports, and we always encourage them to put stuff. There was a student, I want to say last year who had a highlight reel from football. And he wanted, how do I get my video? And we showed him that no matter where your media is, whether it's on your phone, whether it's an iOS device, whether it's an Android device, no matter where, more than likely we can pull it off. And we walk them through the process of pulling that off and putting it into their Google site. That way, everything's there. Everything is there. It's a one-stop shop for potential colleges, potential employers. Um, If they're going to do an internship, it's all there. So. Those are the like the key components. You have the about the author, the professional, uh, the letter of re- uh, not a letter of recommendation, letter of introduction, resume, and then those those academic pieces and then the creative pieces because we want to know, and not necessarily us, but the outside world wants to know. You're a student. You're a person who's got multiple talents, multiple skills. We want to know all about you. So we make sure we add that stuff in there. Yeah, That's absolutely. Neat. And the kids can add their own pages. That's just the basic skeleton that I require so I can have a baseline. I have kids adding other pages or, you know, doing their sports section or whatever else it is. And that's totally fine. That's part of the process. I love that you don't hamper them. You know, I love that you don't say you're only going to do our class. You're only going to do these pieces. I love that you give them the freedom to really show who they are. Um, because a lot of employers are looking for authenticity and looking for what do you bring to the table that's different from other people. And if they've just got the stuff from their senior English class, that's not, I mean, it's neat, but it's, it doesn't tell the whole story. You know, it doesn't show the whole picture. So I love that you encourage them to do that and you give them some license to, to explore and to create and to, to tell their own story. That's really neat. It's about authenticity and ownership. Mm-hmm. And when they start taking that and they start realizing that they're putting their own stuff and they're going to basically buy into their own product and mm-hmm. say, this is mine. I- I'm going to make it my own. You know, we, we like uh, Colleen said, we give them that template. We give them that, you know, these are the key ones, the non-negotiables you have to have in there, but make it your own. Well, we show them how to create their own banners. We show them how to use Canva to make graphics and things like that. So it's not just drop your stuff here, write a 300 word reflection about this or update it. It's a, it's a work. It's literally a body of work. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really love about it is that ownership. Well, I'm, one of my favorite conversations is the conversation of you're creating your digital footprint. You're creating your image. Who do you want to be as you graduate? That's why I love teaching seniors mm-hmm. too, right? What What is it that you want to represent? And they, 
they take ownership of that. It's very exciting. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Makes me want to teach seniors. It is. It's <laughs> awesome. I taught middle school. Now I'm like, hmm, that's really neat. So this sounds, I mean, obviously, like you said, it's a work. Like it's yeah. a piece of work. This is an endeavor. So tell me a little bit about class time. How much class time do you dedicate to this? Do you have check-ins throughout the year? Is it an ongoing thing? How does this look in terms of class time? Well, I have planned time at least uh, one week a semester or a quarter, one week a quarter, sorry, a grading quarter. So four times a year. End of the semester is really the big time. That's the big reflective time. But I talk about it all year long. If we're working on something, I might tell a student, oh, you ought to think about that for your portfolio. Um or they've come and told me about an experience they were involved in. Did you take pictures of it? We can put it on your portfolio. Uh, and so it kind of depends on the student. Some students work on it all year long. Class time, though, I would say I probably, you know, dedicate a week per grading quarter just because I think it's really, really important. And yes, I do have the reflective writing on it, but I want to be able to teach other things, other applications yeah. that they can use in conjunction with their website. So there's other lessons and things involved with it as well. Yeah. I remember when we, I went in in December and we were doing some stuff, the kids were, this, I keep calling them kids. Yeah. Right. These guys are 17, 18 years old. <laughs> These students <laughs> remembered me like, Hey, you're back. Yeah. And I thought, no, I don't think I've been here this year. And then you brought it to my attention. You said, yeah, we did the portfolios like in September. Yeah. So they, the sites are already created and I completely forgot it. And like I said, it's, it's that ongoing work, that ongoing process. And to see it, to see it come to fruition at the end, because at the end of the year, that crunch time, that last week of May, that's when they really, they really make the requirements their own. Mm-hmm. I've put in my requirements. Maybe I added, you know, a uh, a piece of my orchestra solo or what have you, or I put my YouTube playlist or maybe my sports highlight reel, but then they start really getting, that's where the creative part comes out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Start really making it their own. Yes. Seeing the future. So man, I don't know about our listeners, but this has me really like jazzed. I'm like, we need to do this everywhere. I agree. I would really like to, Start it back. I know there's some middle schools you were telling me about yeah, it in our yeah. district that are starting in middle school. I think it'd be a beautiful thing, you know, to start it. Um, I'm working with our freshman teachers here on campus to start talking about how do we get this going from freshman year and just bring it with them. And then by the time they get to senior year, man, really powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you talk about just them looking at a piece of work from freshman year or what have you imagine going back to like fifth grade right or sixth grade and seeing a piece of work like wow i've come a long way mm-hmm. yeah yeah my mom i don't know if she still does but she used to keep some of my schoolwork in boxes in the attic and i would love to pull it out and look at it and be like look at how cute and naive i was <laughs> and i thought i was so smart <laughs> and you look back and you're like i was not so smart But I just think that reflective piece is really neat, too, because especially for those students who struggle in school and may struggle to see the progress they've made or the growth and they feel like they haven't really gotten anywhere, being able to look back at a profile um, or a portfolio 
that they've been making and working on, they can see, oh, wow, well, that was my freshman work and that was a mess and look at where I am now. Whereas before they might not have ever made that connection. Now imagine being able to pull out all that memorabilia from your mom's house without having to physically be there. Right. (laughs) Having it in a digital format. Right. And that's the whole idea behind this is you could be in a restaurant. You could have graduated high school six days ago. You could be in a restaurant and run into somebody who might be your future employer. That's right. And you're having a conversation. Well, tell you what, let me pull out my phone and show you or send you through a QR code, send you my portfolio right here on the spot. Mm-hmm. It, that's the world that, and, and as educators, we need to step back and realize that this is the world that we need to be preparing our students for. It's not the world we grew up in. It's right. not the method we grew up. I still have, it's, it's in the trunk of my car. We were cleaning out the garage a couple of weeks ago and I found my professional portfolio, like a, literally a three inch binder. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. So we don't have to carry that stuff around. That's the world we grew up in, but that's not the world of the, the 21st century learner, the mm-hmm. student. We need to be preparing them for their world, not ours. Yeah. Right. So right now they're kind of in our world in that they are in the school system, they're in our classrooms, but when they leave, they graduate, they move away. What happens? Do they lose access to their work? How do they take it with them? Hit them, Colleen. Me? All right. Well, (laughs) this is your expertise, man. This was great because it has been a problem, right? Because Mm -hmm. when they leave the Northeast District, their student accounts are closed uh, and their work is gone. Except we've got Google Takeout. So part of our lesson at the end of the year is to take them through Google Takeout where they can take all their work with them, put it on a personal Google account and have whatever they want with them. It's nice as well because we work on it through the year. They're sort of curating before they just dump everything. Um, and they're going, well, I don't need that anymore. I don't yeah. need that. Mm-hmm. Um, the purge, if the you purge, want to call it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but they're able to take, we talk about things like what are resources you could use uh, that might help you write a college paper? What are some different things besides just your work that you want to take with you? Something a teacher's helped you with or a form a teacher gave you. And so all of that's involved in it. But Google Takeout's a really great tool for the students who are graduating or leaving the campus. When I have a, a student who's leaving the district, you know, we talk about that as well. And I help them do their Google Takeout and take that with them. And that's free also, right? Yeah. And there's two, yeah. there's two versions of it. There's Google Takeout and Google Takeout Transfer. And we kind of show them both. Google Takeout is where you have to bring in an actual physical media device, whether it be an external hard drive, flash drive. But we do the Google trans- Google Takeout Transfer where they just transfer ownership to their personal Gmail account. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So what are some do's and don'ts? Like you're talking to a teacher or an educator who's interested in getting their students started on um, creating these digital portfolios. What are some do's and don'ts that you would say to them? The Google sites really make it so that, so you mess up, hit the back button <laughs> for that little mm-hmm. arrow and we, yeah. and we redo it. Um, so I, I would say, don't be afraid. Do try anything. Don't give the kids too many restrictions. Mm. Don't mm-hmm. give them too many guidelines. Give them the skeleton and let them flesh it out. Mm-hmm. They really have got good ideas and I learned from them. All the time. 
Yeah, I would definitely say have some sort of template or mm-hmm. non-negotiable. Like these are the things that I'm going to be looking for. Yeah. Whether they're specific to your class or a combination of classes, have some non-negotiables. Make it a grade. That way they take it serious. Yeah. yeah. I have a rubric that I use. That was going to be my Of what piece. I'm looking for mm-hmm. uh, from their work, from the required grady part. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I would say is start getting familiar and comfortable with Google Sites and the whole Google suite of tools um, because that's the backbone of Google Sites. Is it live? It's basically living off of Google Drive. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a Google Drive user, then make sure you get yourself comfortable with Google uh, Drive uh, and Sites. And there's tutorials on our ITS YouTube channel, and there's also your ITS. Reach out to your ITS. And there's a lot of courses that we have. Shameless plug for the Google Certified Educator Level 1 and 2. Yes. Mm-hmm. Those are in Edgephoria. That was huge for me. And you're beautiful. Google 1 and 2 certified. 1 and 2. And it was really helpful seeing how everything just kind of dovetails together and cooperates with each other. It's just made my life so much easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do give yourself, like you mentioned earlier, Colleen, a couple of days of a grading period or however you're going to set it up. Give yourself ample time to oh, yes. work on them. And when I say give yourself, I mean, give your students ample time in the classroom. Uh, we can't assume that the students all have access to the internet at home or an internet enabled device where they'll be able to do Google sites. So make sure you give yourself ample time, whether it's a computer lab checkout, Chromebook card or what have you, but give yourself and the students enough time to work on it and get comfortable. Yeah. Don't expect it to be done in a day class period or a two day class period. It really is a year project. So the concept seems kind of advanced, How does this work for your ELL kids or for kids who are not natural learners or even younger kids? Because I know you said you did this with fourth graders too. Yeah, that's the brilliant thing about it. It's not different for any of them. In fact, it's really empowering. My fourth graders were able to see themselves on the world stage using their digital portfolios, just like my seniors are. It's been really exciting with me. A large portion of my uh, student population are ELLs and language learners from all over the world. Um, And this actually has been a great place for them to highlight their work. I encourage them, you could do this in Spanish and English. And then, wow, your website is a hundred times more powerful than mine. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got some students who can actually showcase work in five different languages. Wow. And they do. And so to be able to show them the power of what they can bring from where they are, instead of it being a hindrance or a problem. And then with the language learners, they see their growth so much, you know, in what they've done or comparing what they can do in their native language to what they can do in English, and not just judging themselves as a language learner, but as just a A learner. learner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very exciting. That's awesome. Have you had any students or parents come to you with testimonials of how, um, how they've used the portfolio since they've left? I have actually had uh, quite a few. You know, we have so many artist students on our campus because of the NISA 
uh, magnet that's here. And so I've actually had students who come, they use their website for marketing themselves and marketing their artwork and actually selling things. I've had a couple of students send me links to their private websites that they've made now with their portfolios saying, Hey, miss, do you want to buy <laughs> one of these? <laughs> so it, it's, it's been used. They've been using them for a lot of things. Uh, have one student who is at San Antonio college and she's, um, uh, she's from Myanmar and is using her portfolio like worldwide. She's a wow. activist for refugees and is really compiling a very powerful platform. Mm. If you want to get hits on your portfolio, put Girl Scout cookies on there. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you I'll be on there. Right? You should give them that advice. There you go. For the ones who want to sell their art. <laughs> Add Girl Scout cookies. I will also send you Girl Scout cookies with this <laughs> mints, wonderful portrait. <laughs> so for people who want to get started with this in their classrooms, where should they go first? I actually have the website with the Lee High School writing portfolio template. If anyone wants to jot it down, unless you're jogging or and your car driving, then don't write then this down. Then don't do that. But it's <laughs> uh, and it'll be in the show notes as well. And I could say that because I'm a producer of the show as well. <laughs> <laughs> it is sites.google.com forward slash neisd.net forward slash Lee HS writing portfolio template. And that is the template that Colleen and I use. And we've, like I said in uh, earlier in this uh, episode, that we've kind of tinkered with it, played around with it, and it's it's morphed and transformed over the years. But that's the basic template that's that's required of the students, and that has the home, the about the author, the professional writing, academic, and creative. So if you check out that site, you can easily use that as a template of your own or use that and build your own based around that. So they can always hit that and get ideas to get started. For listeners who want to know more about you guys, follow you on social media, where where can they find you? Well, I, I, I'm an NEISD tweeter, uh, at Quirky Teaching on Twitter. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at EdTechBytes. That's all one word, E-D-T-E-C-H-B-I-T-E-S. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and expertise on student portfolios. I hope everybody feels inspired and fired up. To at least try. I hope so too. Get start, Get your students started with digital portfolios. That way it's something that they can take with them out into quote unquote the real world. Exactly. Yes. What did I tell you guys? That was an amazing conversation with ITS Gabriel Carrillo and teacher Colleen Quirk. She and Gabriel have just this great dynamic, great teamwork and they have really pulled off something special with these student portfolios that are digital. And honestly, you know, it sounds difficult, but it's so easy to do. And it's great for all age groups, all different levels of learners. The benefits far outweigh any hesitations or fears you may have. So definitely just jump in and try to get started. Um, reach out to your campus ITS if you're not sure what to do. Reach out to your campus ITS if you're not sure what to do and check out that template that is linked in our show notes. Thank you so much to Colleen Quirk from Lee High School for sharing her experience and her wisdom and her knowledge and her expertise and being a guest on our show. 
And another thank you to myself, Gabriel Creel, for being a part <laughs> of the show as a guest. It was really fun. Thank you. You did a great job interviewing. I thought so, too. So our next episode drops February 11th. Make sure you are subscribed to the show. That way, each new episode magically appears on your phone with literally zero effort from you. And if you found any value in the show, please share with your friends and colleagues. And don't forget to leave us a review on whichever platform you choose. And also, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at NEISDITech. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash NEISD Instructional Technology. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.